Hi, I'm Paul, the Ripples Guy. Welcome to the Ripples Podcast, where we share quick splashes of inspiration and explore how even our smallest actions can have an ongoing impact on our lives, the people we connect with, and the whole world. Are you in? I hope you enjoy this episode, and I hope you enjoy today. To this computer. Hello, Patreon peeps. We have a bunch of us here live on Wednesday, September 28th, and a bunch of people who might be watching this on Facebook in our Team Ripples group. Hello to you too. And of course, many of our Patreon peeps um, are either listening to the audio uh, on the podcast or listening to this later via the YouTubes. And however and whenever you're joining us, I'm so glad that you could be here. A quick overview of our itinerary. We're going to do a, a centering exercise, and then we're going to follow the same format as a weekly Ripples email, a Pebble, which is a quick resource uh, I uh, want to recommend to you, a Boulder, which is an activity I'm using personally or professionally, and then third is our Ponder, which is a sort of deep dive into uh, a topic I am so excited to share with this you today. I have slides and everything. And it's one of those things where it's my first time presenting on the content, but I'm very, very excited about it. So with that, why don't we take a couple deep here now breaths. And our centering today is a sensory check-in where we count down and use the senses to make sure that we're grounded and present. We're gonna start with seeing five things. So I'd love for you to look around the space that you're in right now and just see if you can identify five colors or five separate objects in your field of vision. And after you do that, I'm gonna ask you to move to touches and I'm gonna ask you to touch four different things that have a somewhat different texture. Okay. I didn't know. I heard that some talk on, heard someone talking about when you're in a meeting. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then three sounds, you can use that one as one of them. Three sounds that you can hear in your environment. And then this one gets a little harder. Let's see if you can identify two different smells that you can smell right now. And then if you can taste something in your mouth right now, or if you've got a snack or a drink, you can do one taste. And hopefully that will bring you <laughs> Elizabeth with her noise canceling. She's like, I find three things you can't hear. Jamie and I have been hearing an owl, which for the first few days, we were so excited to have an, a new owl in the neighborhood because we, we have an owl about a mile away from us that we hear on our walks. Uh, but it's kind of cool to hear a little hoo hoo. And I go right to, oh, it's Hedwig bringing, in, um, bringing a message to somebody, but after two or three really late nights and early mornings of hearing the owl this morning, he was like, yeah, the owl's still here. 
And we're like, maybe, maybe it's time to encourage the owl to move along. Um, okay, I'm gonna make it a really quick two pebbles because of course, if you have not tried out the new daily splash page, that has to be a pebble that I share with you. I'll put a link here um, in the chat on the Zoomy Zoom. If somebody has the bandwidth to throw that also over on um, the Team Ripples page as well. Our new daily splash page, if you don't know, is what is replacing the 2.0 way of delivering the daily splash via text. And I'm very excited by the fact that at the bottom of the daily splash page, which gets refreshed with a new quote every day, um, there is this need a reminder link that if you click on it, it opens up some ways that you can remember. And my favorite way is the little at the very bottom of my screen, you should be able to see a big smiley face. You can add an icon to your iPhone or Android device with just a couple quick steps if you know how to do it. So that is the thing that lots of people already know about. I will also tell you that a longtime Rippler, Tom, who's a PNG or here in Cincinnati, uh, emailed me a couple of weeks ago after Ripple saying, today's Ripples just made me want to share this podcast that I just listened to, which is a podcast I listen to a lot, Hidden Brain. Um, it's an NPR show that's also available on podcasts. Shankar Vedantam does this amazing job of unpacking all kinds of interesting things. And a few weeks ago, he did one, a two-parter that was called Reframing Your Reality. And it just was extraordinary. Uh, I, again, will put some links really quick in the chat here. I will also, where the audio is posted and where the video is posted, I'll make sure to put links is there. But if you Google Hidden Brain or if you look on whatever podcast, you'll find it. And the episode is called Reframing Your Reality. And what it's about really quickly is about mindsets and stress. And there's just an enormous body of research that says a lot of what we have done well-intentioned is to teach people how to deal with stress, how to minimize stress, how to get rid of stress. And we've really taught people that stress is a bad thing. And there's a whole bunch of research now that suggests that if we teach people more accurately that stress is a thing that can be good and can be bad, it really changes how it affects our bodies, um, our brains, our literal physiology, as well as our mindset. And there was this great example about helping um, the treatment for peanut, for several kinds of allergies, but for, for many food allergies, there is a way to gradually expose somebody to micro amounts of the allergen to help their bodies rewire and not have strong allergic reactions. The problem with the treatment is it takes a while. There's lots of things. And when you're doing this, especially with a kid, there's a high dropout rate of these studies because when they start having the response, their body's response to, to the stressor, to the allergen, it's upsetting. It's uncomfortable. When they take a, a group and divide them, randomize them and take one group and say, here's the treatment. And then the second group, they start by saying, just so you know, when you st we start upping these doses by a little bit, you're going to start having some, some of your body's reaction. And that is a sign that the treatment is working and it's going to be a little uncomfortable. Um, and it, it's a sign that it's helping. Just like a lot of us used around the COVID 
um, the COVID vaccine. We knew we were going to get, uh, we might be feeling some symptoms and we chose to think of it as a sign that the vaccine is doing its job. And it turned out two cool things. One, the dropout rate plummeted when you introduce that information. And secondly, they actually found physiology, physiologically, they, they, they were able to measure differences in how well the treatment worked. It actually worked more effectively when people were given the mindsets. And they also talked about the placebo effect and how most of us think of that in terms of a sham treatment, but what they're actually trying to rework and, and have us think differently about placebos is that it's actually showing us that our mind can help us heal. And they did another, they talk about an, another interesting study regarding um, housekeeping staff and ask, interviewing them and asking them how much exercise do you get? And the, in the studies they did, they found that the vast majority of housekeepers, even though they were almost certainly getting this, the, the, the recommended amount of exercise be in their jobs, they had thought of exercise as something you do when you go to the gym or when you set aside time. And so most of them said they did very little exercise and a lot of them said they didn't do any. You randomize a group and told some of them, hey, it turns out that you actually are getting lots of exercise. We're gonna put this pedometer on, we're gonna measure some of your exercise, but it turns out that your job probably covers all the exercise you need. And what they found at the end of the trial is that it turns out that not only did people have a better a mindset about how much exercise they were getting, they actually performed better um, on the, the, the tests that they had given before and after, even though they hadn't exercised anymore or changed anything else. It was just the information. Fascinating two-part episode. I totally uh, recommend it. So that's the pebble. The boulder um, is an activity that I'm actually just getting ready to do a keynote opening and closing for a conference here in Cincinnati next week. My buddies from NURSA, the Ohio, the campus recreation uh, folks, are their state workshop here in Ohio is gathering just up the street from me. It's going to be one of those rare times I get to walk to work. Ah, can't wait. And I'm firing them up at the beginning. And then at the when I get to spend people, spend time with people at the end of their professional development conference, there's three questions that I love to, to ask them and to have them spend some time pondering and writing things down. And I thought, as I prepared for my time with you all, I was looking at that saying, you know, this is not just something that you could think about at the end of a conference. It's something you could think about at the end of the week or at the end of a project you're working on. And it's it's three things, pondering, connecting, and acting. And I'll give you the questions I give them. The first one is, what do I want to be thinking about as I head home or as I wrap this up and, and finish? Who do I feel called to connect with when I get back? Or, or when this is over. And I often encourage them to think of two things. One, people they connected with at or during the event that they might wanna stay connected with, but also if they picked up some cool ideas and, and, and they're heading back to work or back to life, who is somebody they can engage with back home? We teach best what we most need to learn. And so if there's anything we can come back and explain to somebody, it's gonna to go to a deeper part in our brain. 
And um, the third question is, what actions do I want to take? What do I actually want to put in so that I can say that this um, event was a good use of my time? Uh, and again, I'll go ahead and uh, paste these questions here in the chat. If somebody feels like pasting them over there, great. And I will put these wherever you watch this um, or listen to this. I will have those there as well. And so, my friends, we have centered. We have pebbled, we have bouldered. I am really excited to dive into, um, to explain what is very often described as a stage theory. And I always have a problem when something is presented as a stage theory, because we tend to have a mindset of starts down here and the goal is to get up to the top. And so I've been trying to come up the, the you if you've heard of, to me, by me, through me, as me. Um, this actually started in the mid 80s. Michael Beckwith, um, who is a thought leader, some people would identify him as a religious leader. He heads a church, um, Agape Church in California, and has done extensive amounts of writing. He presented this, he conceptualized this as four levels of spiritual growth and development. He talks a lot about consciousness. And um, the, the, as I looked around on the internet to see what people have been doing with this, a lot of times you'll hear four levels of consciousness. And there is a group called the Conscious Leadership Group that my friend Pidge, that you all hear me talk about a lot, some, my friend from fifth grade uh, that I still am close with, she introduced me to how they use it in terms of applying it to leadership. And I am gonna go ahead and share my screen with you now. Um, my uh, initially messy screen so that I can unpack this. And I want to tell you that at the end of our time here, I've got a whole bunch of links to share with you in terms of articles. And I did quickly export these two slides I'm going to build out for you as JPEGs. And I'm going to give you those links. So if you are a note taker, you might have a big piece of paper here. And, and if you put... <laughs> four columns, to me, by me, through me, as me. We're gonna fill out a little bit of a chart. We're actually gonna do it twice about different things, but you can also just listen and you're gonna see the visuals on the screen as we point this out. And then you're gonna be able to have access to the JPEG as well. So to, to explain this very quickly, um, the idea is that things happen, is our mindset that things happen to me do things happen by me? Do I initiate them? Do things happen through me? Am I something of a channel? Or do things happen as me? Meaning I am part of everything. I am connected to everything and we're basically all the thing. And how we're gonna unpack this in this first slide is we're gonna look a little bit about this, the mindset, things to ponder. if. To, to see if you might be in this stage, is this a question? So this, this is a question that, that people that are in living are operating in this um, level or stage operate in. And then the sort of benefits, the upside of being in that area, and then the, the, what, what you're giving up, what's the cost of being in that area? And then to grow up to the next level, what is the invitation or what is the opportunity we have? So real quickly, the mindset for the first one when things are happening to you is that you're a victim, that you don't have um, uh, much agency, that things are just happening to you. 
And the question often is, why? Why is this happening to me? I feel helpless. I can't control this. What did I do to deserve this? Or what horrible mean person did this to me? Or why, why did I get lucky to, to have this good thing happen? The upside of being in to me thinking or to me consciousness is that you don't have to be responsible. You don't have to take responsibility. And there are times when either we can't or we don't want to, that that actually feels like the right thing to do. Uh, what you're giving up though is agency. You're, you're either not able to access it or you're, you're, you're choosing consciously or subconsciously to give up any control or agency that you have um, in the situation. And in order to grow and, and, and move beyond to me consciousness, you need to be willing to take responsibility and say, I, I have some role in shaping the circumstances, or at least I have some role in what I'm going to do about the situation so that I'm not stuck in the circumstances, because certainly, you know, some events happen, we have very little control over them happening, there is still hopefully some agency on what we do next. The next stage that, um, and depending on who you read and who you see, some people say that most people spend most of their time in the to me stage. And the conscious leadership group seems to, to suggest that most of the time people, the, the big growth opportunity is moving people um, or choosing to move ourselves from a to me to a by me stage. So these are the two places that we operate most of the time. The by me is the creator. This is where I'm taking power and taking control. Um, we, the question that we ask ourselves or we ask the universe, what is it that I want to learn? What is it I want to create? And, and, and what do I need to do to do it? And where do we get started? And the upside is we start to gain a sense of control over ourselves, over our circumstances, over what's going on. What we give up um, when we take that control is the ability to blame somebody else. When we're grabbing on control, it becomes less and less useful and less and less possible to blame circumstances, God, the universe, um, somebody else at work or somebody, somebody on the sidewalk that did this to me. And um, again, I, I, well, I'm intrigued by the fact that the, the conscious leadership talks a lot about things being above the line and below the line. And I wish my friend Pidge were here to verify this because I didn't get to ask her this question before she um, went on vacation. Um, but the sense I got is that when the line they're talking about is the line between to me and and by me. And when people are operating below the line, they're in that victim consciousness stage. And above the line is when they've stepped into at least the creator stage. To grow, it's actually about giving up, surrendering some of the control that that we grabbed in order to get here. Because what we're where we're headed next is seeing that we're part of something larger. Um, and there is some, we have to, I think as a development of a person, we have to learn how to grab control. And then we have to remember and recognize and realize that sometimes the right thing to do is to give up some control. And that's where we, be, we, we have the opportunity to become the channeler or the, I, I, I thought of the words conduit, um, conscious leadership uses the term co-creator. So this is the idea that, um, and I will tell you where this energy really strikes me as familiar, 
is there's a certain percentage of ripples that I write. I'm, I think we're up to 12, 19, 1,218, 19, somewhere in there. I was working on ripples um, for, for next week this morning. And what happens, I don't know, 10%, 15% ish of the times is I, I put in some effort at matching up two quotes and say, this is what I'm going to write about. And I think about it. And sometimes I, I do that early in the week. And then I'm thinking, and I, oh, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to say. And I sit down and then whew, there's, oh, I, I'm going to just start with this weird sentence. It doesn't make any sense to me. And then I'm writing and I'm writing. And sometimes I write 10 minutes and sometimes I write an hour. And very often by the time I see that ripples in print, either a few days later, or in some cases, if I'm jumping ahead um, over the holidays or over the summer, I'm convinced that I, I asked somebody else to write ripples for me. It doesn't, I don't remember writing it. And, and even it, when I'm looking at it on the page, sometimes I'm like, that is freaking genius. <laughs> and I don't feel like the credit is to me. Where, where I where I end up giving myself credit is for being a pure channel, is for getting out of the way and not inserting my ego to try to make it mine or to take credit for it. And, and that's something worth sort of taking some credit for it. Um, the question that I just love about this stage that really intrigues me is what is trying to happen here? What is what is trying, what is trying, what what lesson is being offered here by and again, if you're a God person, it might be easy to think God in this situation. Universe, um, what, what, is, what is my team? What is this, my organization that I work with? What is my community? What is my society trying to teach me with, with January 6th or, or with this hurricane barreling down? What, what, what is the thing that's the possibility? How, and, and what role can I take in trying to help birth this learning or this doing that that this emergence that's about to happen and the upside is that we really get to step in to a higher or broader perspective we get to see the big picture we get to be i think a little bit less egocentric and kind of see that we're part of a system that we're part of a larger whole uh, but we do have to give up some of the control in some cases, give up some of the credit for things because we are recognizing that our and we're operating as a channel and that we're not necessarily uh, controlling or creating the things that are happening. To go up to the next step to where we're getting into ASME is where we really start to give up the sense of disconnection and in some ways the sense of identity of us as an independent being. And we start um, graduating from our ego, if you will. And that's where the mindset and, and the words are kind of all over the place in terms of how people describe it. I'm using the term unity, where we are unified, where we are, there is no they, it, it, is, it is a oneness. And there is no question to ponder because it's just, it's just sitting back into, into a being. And the upside is that you get to experience a sustained peace. My sense is that there's few people that get to, 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 to really operate from this plane in, in a long, you know, in a sustained way. And, and I think there are people that do get to, and I've, um, there, I don't know if you know who Neil Donald Walsh is, but he, he wrote the conversations with God 
books. And this is a little bit of a tangent, but let me take it quickly. His Twitter thread back in when I in the relative early years when I was putting together the daily splash, I I for many I've been sending them out for 10 years. And I have been using several pockets of sources for quotes so that I am making sure that I'm not just copying somebody else's thread, that I'm pulling from a at any one time, I'm operating from a place of like 10 to 15 different sources. And then I mix up where the quotes um, are, where, where I found them to make sure it's a blending and also so I can pick the best. And Neil Donald Walsh's Twitter feed, they're, they're all things that he says. And so I had to use them sparingly. So I wasn't using too much of his stuff. But just this week, literally after I knew I was going to talk to you about this, I was looking through dozens of his tweets from 2015, 2016. Um, and it just was so obvious that he was, at least when he wrote these tweets, is operating from a place of asthma, that there is a unification where it, it, it makes no sense to talk about we versus they, because everything that you're doing to somebody else, you, you, you're doing to yourself. Um, you do give up a sense of separation and and it requires a graduation from um, relying on thinking of yourself as independent from everything else. And, and I think there's a stage where you absolutely, you're very, you're born into the world, very dependent upon other people. And at, at some point you declare independence and it's really important that you establish that independence. And then hopefully as you develop as an employee, as a, as a human being, as a, a family member, as a member of society, that you you grow into interdependence, where you recognize that you are independent from other people and yet dependent upon them. I think this as me consciousness even moves farther than that and gets even away from the the, the dependent upon and yet um, independent from becomes almost irrelevant because we're all connected. We are the same. We are we. And again, there is no growth to be done here. Um, it's just about being. And I knew darn well, I wouldn't be able to finish this next slide, but I want to, I want to go through some of them with you because they're just so cool. So the conscious leadership group, um, developed some thinking about, um, happiness, thinking about time, thinking about money, thinking about discipline. And I, I wanted to spend my last few minutes just talking through how you might think about these things differently to see if some of them resonate as, oh, I spend a lot of time in that mode, or, oh, I can see where, where, where I spent some time here. So with happiness, the victim mindset, happiness is fleeting. It depends upon circumstances things happen and I get to be happy. Other things happen and I don't get to be happy. You move into by me. I get to be happy if I do the things I need to do. And I have a list of things that I know or believe will make me happy. If I do them, I get to be happy. Through me says happiness is available to me whenever I want it. I just can relax into joy. I just, happiness is a state that is always available to me. As me doesn't really even think happiness is a focus. It's just another state, one of many, it visits. Sometimes it's here, sometimes it's not. It's not something you need to seek out. It's not something you need to cling on to. It's just something that's there, that's, that's an experience. Time, 
When you're in to me mode, there's not enough time right now. There's not enough time. Oh my gosh, I did something wrong. And we often are operating from a place of being overwhelmed or being bored. When you move into buy me, I can take control of my time. I can use employee time management techniques. I can figure out the systems that help me work. You get up to through me and you say, you know what? There's enough time to do everything. Now is really the only time I really need to focus on. Everything will get done like it's supposed to. How can I be really present? And then Asmi says, time is an illusion. It's one of many things that humans make up in order to play this little game. And you, you might need to look at your watch in order to, 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 to catch the train, but this is all just part of a, a, a makeup fantasy that we use. Money. Toomey says, there's never enough of it. My value is measured by how much I have of it. And by me says, I want more money. I like money. I can create money if I do the things I need, know I need to do in order to earn more, make more, get more money. Through me says, there is plenty of money. It is an energy more than it is a thing. Again, it's, it's something that, that, that we use in this physical existence on, on planet Earth, on our time here. Um, but why do we really need to spend a lot of time measuring it or tying our self-worth um, or our, our, how much people can or do or should respect us? And then again, with ASME thinking, it's just another form. It's just something that is out there that's part of hum human life that probably doesn't need to be taken too seriously um, because it's made up. <laughs> it's monopoly. Can we get through? Ooh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go see if we can get a couple more. I like that thinking about discipline and, and self-discipline and gratification and de delaying gratification. If you're to me, you either are implying too much, you're being really, really strict with yourself, or you're not, you're refusing to take any. Um, and you see it as something that discipline is important and necessary, but it's really hard to grapple with. By me says it's a tool. I can use it um, and it will help me if I can learn how to delay gratification, if I can make myself give up some wants and then focus on my needs, it's gonna really help me. Through me says, this is effortless. There is a benefit to gratification. There is a benefit to delaying gratification. And as I need, I can, I can float between um, gratifying myself, giving into pleasure and letting myself enjoy something and knowing that sometimes I need to put that off. And then unity says, there is none needed because all we are is being. And finally, purpose. If you're in a victim mentality, you don't really have a purpose. You have a job to do, you have roles you fill, you have things that you know you're supposed to do, but it doesn't feel like meaning or purpose. By me is where I know I have a purpose on this planet. I have a role in my job. I can. I can do this. It energizes me to know it. And it also takes energy to focus and work on it. Through me, you start to get into what's called a transcendent purpose where I, I'm, I belong. I have a purpose on this planet. And if I, if I'm, if I'm open and I listen, purpose meaning will come to me. I don't create it. I, I discover it and I employ it in the service of us all. And then unity says being and purpose is really the same. It's really 
two sides of the same coin. So it's kind of, there's no, there's no purpose in talking about it. Oh my gosh, let me stop sharing so that we can find some closure really quick. Um, ooh, I see notes. I have um, just fantastic um, experience here putting this information together. Let me, before we turn off the camera here, we're gonna, for those of you who don't know who are new to this, if you wanna zap right off and get out of here, that is completely fine. We're gonna turn off the camera and, oh, let me also turn off um, the spotlight so that we can wave to everyone. Um, that's always fun. Um, let's wave everyone and I'll, and to, to the people who are watching the recording, I'll post all the uh, links in a second. So if you have to go, bye-bye, where's the, stop recording.